0: Settle down now then, settle down.
1: But what story are you going to read us, huh?
0: Why, what else would it be? It's Christmas Eve, after all.
2: So it is a Christmas story.
0: Oh, 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 yes, yes. Now, I know you've heard this one before. It's A Christmas Carol by Mr. Charles Dickens.
2: That's the one with the ghosts and with Tiny Tim.
0: Yes, it is, little one. Now, if you will settle down there, I'll get started with the story. Okay. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register for his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon change, for anything he chose to put his hand to. Oh, Marley was as dead as a doornail. Mind, uh, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge what is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself to regard, say, A coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade. But the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it. You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead as a doornail.
3: Marley was as dead as a doornail.
0: Oh, shh, shh, don't go interrupting now.
3: But you
4: told me to repeat it.
0: No, no. I said I would repeat it.
4: Oh!
0: Now, sit tight. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did! How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and Marley had been partners for... I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor. His sole administrator. His sole assign. His sole residuary legatee. His sole friend and... His sole mourner. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, was Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it even one degree at Christmas. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if there ever was one. The door of the counting house was open so that he might keep an eye on his clerk, good Bob Cratchit, who worked in a cold and dismal little cell beyond, poring o'er
5: his ledgers. 20, 21, 22, uh, 23, mm-hmm, 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 34, 35, 36. comfort and joy, all oh, tidings of comfort and uh, carry over here 100, ah yes, Cratchit! Uh, 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 yes, yes, Mr. Scrooge. Stop that infernal caterwauling. Uh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Christmas, Uncle. <coughs> and a very Merry Christmas <coughs> to you, Bob. Oh, uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you, Fred.
6: Uncle Scrooge, Merry Christmas. Ah, uh, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Now, I'm sure you don't mean that.
7: I mean exactly that. Merry Christmas! What right have you to be merry? What reason have you? You're poor enough. Come then, what right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. Bah! Humbug. Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas! Out upon Merry Christmas! What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time to find yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. A time for balancing your books and having every item in them through a round dozen of months presented dead against you. Uncle, if I... If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a steak of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew! Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? A gift,
6: no doubt. I merely came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle.
7: Then Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. Much good it has ever done
6: you. (laughs) There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time, when it has come round, as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good, and will do me good. And I say God bless
7: it.
5: Indeed. Hooray for Christmas.
7: Another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. You're quite a powerful speaker, then. I wonder why you don't go into politics. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Why did you get married?
6: Why, because I fell in love. Uh,
7: Because you fell in love.
6: Good afternoon. Uncle, you have never came to see me before that happened. Why should it be a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. Don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. I have made my trial an homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a very Happy New Year. Brab! Humbug! Merry Christmas to you, Bob, as well as to your missus and to the children.
5: Merry Christmas, Fred.
7: Nonsense. Talking of Christmas and not two coins to rub together in his pocket. Hmm.
5: Cratchit! Uh, Yes, Mr. Scrooge?
7: What are you doing in there?
5: Well, I was just putting more coal on the furnace, Mr. Scrooge. It's, uh, it's cold. You put that coal back onto the pile, Cratchit. If you use my coal at that rate,
7: you and I will soon be parting, Bob Cratchit. There's many a young fellow that
5: would like your situation, you know. Especially at Christmas. Apologies, Mr Scrooge. My my fingers were just getting stiff on account of the cold. Fetch your gloves, then. Yes, Mr Scrooge. Well, answer it, then. Yes, sir.
4: Oh, good afternoon, sir.
5: Good afternoon.
4: Is this the firm of Mr Scrooge and Mr Marley? Yes, it is. I would like to speak to the head of the firm.
5: Oh, yes, sir. Uh, I... Um, Mr. Scrooge? Well, what is it? Someone here to see you, sir. Hmm. Hello.
4: Have I the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley?
7: Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago, this very night.
4: Well, Mr. Scrooge, I presume. Mr. Scrooge. In this season, it is only fitting that we make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, those not able for themselves who suffer greatly. Many thousands are now in want of just common necessities, simple common comforts, sir.
7: Are there no prisons?
4: Sir, the p- prisons?
7: The workhouses. Are they still in operation?
4: Yes, they are, sir, though I wish I could say otherwise.
7: The treadmill and the law are in full effect, then?
4: Both very busy indeed, sir.
7: Ah, I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred. Something to stop them in their useful course.
4: No, sir. All these institutions are, unfortunately, flourishing... Well, it's nevertheless true that some additional provisioning for the poor and destitute should be made. Humbug. Few of us, upon change, are attempting to raise funds, you see. So, um, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, you wish to remain anonymous.
7: I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough. Those badly off should go there.
4: Many can't go there, sir, and many would rather die.
7: If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I have only your word to tell me that it is so.
4: But but, but it is the truth, Mr.
8: Scrooge.
7: Well, so be it then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not interfere with other people's. Good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon, Mr. Scrooge.
7: Cratchit, see this fellow out.
5: Yes, Mr. Scrooge. I couldn't help overhearing it, and if possible, I would like to contribute.
4: Oh, thank you, sir.
5: It isn't much, but it's all I can manage, but uh, there are others in worse situations than I.
4: You're very generous, sir. I wish I could say the same of your employer.
5: Cratchit!
4: Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Merry Christmas.
5: Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. Cratchit! Sir?
7: Close the door.
5: Yes, sir. nine
7: 2... Cratchit!
5: Uh, yes, Mr Scrooge?
7: It's growing dark. We may as well close up now.
5: Yes, sir, it is getting darker. Hard to see the numbers. Hmm.
7: I suppose you want the entire day tomorrow.
5: Well, it is Christmas, sir, uh, if it's convenient.
7: It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to stop half your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir... Yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. Ah, once a year. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning.
5: Oh, I will, sir. Uh, Thank you, sir. Good night to you, sir, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Humbug.
3: Humbug.
5: (laughs) Humbug indeed.
0: (laughs) And so the office was closed, and Bob Cratchit, with the longest ends of his coat hanging below his waist, for he did not own a great coat, went down a slide on Corn Hill at the end of a lane of boys, twenty times in honor of it being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play a blind man's bluff. Hmm. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and, having read all the newspapers and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, "'went home to bed. "'He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner. "'They were a gloomy suit of rooms. "'Darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it. "'The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, "'had to grope with his hands to find the door. "'The fog and frost hung so heavy about the black old gateway of the house,' That it seemed as if the genius of the weather sat in mournful meditation on the threshold.
2: What's that mean?
0: Oh, which part?
5: That thing about the weather genius.
0: Hmm, well, think of the genius of the weather as somebody who can sit there and control the weather themselves.
2: Like a weatherman?
0: Mm, Sort of, (laughs) except with a bit more power. So in this case, they're sitting there and making the night all dark and gray and chilly. Brr.
5: Brr. <laughs>
0: May I continue now?
3: Yes, please.
0: All righty then. Now, it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large. It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that house. So, let any man explain to me, if he can, how it happened that Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, without it undergoing any process of change. It was not a knocker, but Marley's face. "'Marley?' "'Marley's face. "'It was not in impenetrable shadow as the other objects in the yard were. "'It was not angry, but looked at Scrooge as Marley used to look, "'with ghostly spectacles turned up on its ghostly forehead. "'Though the eyes were wide open, they sat perfectly motionless. "'That, and its livid colour, made it horrible.' But its horror seemed to be in spite of the face and beyond its control. As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was a knocker again. To say that he was not startled would be untrue. But he put his hand upon the key, turned it sturdily, and walked in. Humbug. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was well. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. He locked himself in, then double locked himself in. He took off his cravat, put on his dressing slippers and nightcap, and sat down before his meager fire to eat his gruel. Now, as Scrooge threw his head back in the chair, his glance happened to rest upon a bell a disused bell that hung in the room and communicated for some purpose now forgotten with a chamber in the highest story of the building. <phone rings> with a strange, inexplicable dread, as Scrooge looked, he saw the bell begin to swing.
5: Hmm.
7: Marley? Marley? I could have sworn I saw... Ah, dead these seven years. Humbug, all humbug. Me? What's that? Someone's in the house. Something is coming closer i oh, It's humbug.
8: Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge.
0: I know him. Marley. A ghost. A ghost indeed. And so it was Marley, the same face, the very same, Marley in his usual waistcoat, tights, and boots. The chain he drew was clasped about his middle. It was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel." His body was transparent, so that Scrooge, observing him and looking through his waistcoat, could see the two buttons on his coat behind. How now? What do you want with me?
8: I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who who are you? Ask me who I
7: was. Who were you then?
8: In life, I was your partner. Jacob Marley.
7: Jacob Marley? But you But you died seven years ago.
8: Seven years ago? This very night?
7: So you are a ghost then?
8: You don't
7: believe in me? I don't.
8: What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your sense? Why do you doubt your senses?
7: Because any little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach. You may be an undigested bit of beef, or a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you.
3: <laughs> oh,
7: mercy! Dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me? Why do spirits walk the earth, and why do they come to me?
8: It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh. Woe is me. I must witness what I cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turned to happiness.
7: Tell me, tell me, Jacob, what is that chain you wear around you?
8: I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it. Link by link and yard by yard. I forged it of my own free will and of my own free will I wore it. Is it bad and strange to you, Ebenezer?
7: Cash boxes? Keys and padlocks? Letters and purses? Yours
8: was as heavy and long as this seven years ago. You have labored on it since, Ebenezer.
7: Jacob,
8: speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. Mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing Oh,
7: do you travel fast
8: on the wings of the wind?
7: Seven years dead? You must have gone over a great quantity of ground. <laughs>
8: oh, seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Captive, bound, and double-ironed. Not to know that one space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunity, misused. Yet such was I, oh, such was I.
7: But you were always a man of business, Jacob.
8: Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence, they were all my business. Listen to me, Ebenezer. My time has nearly
7: gone. I'm listening to you, Jacob. Speak to me, Jacob. Pray don't be hard on me.
8: I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. A chance and hope of my procuring Ebenezer. You will be haunted by three spirits.
7: I- I think I'd rather not.
8: Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first when the bell tolls one.
7: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over?
8: Expect the second when the bell tolls two. The third following. Look to see me no more. And look that... For your own sake, you remember what has passed between us.
7: Jacob! Jacob, please!
8: Remember. Expect the first when the bell tolls one.
0: Scrooge awoke then. It was dark, and he could scarcely distinguish his sheets from his bed curtains. It was cold, and he endeavored to pierce the darkness with his eyes. with a deep melancholy toll the bell sounded light flashed up in the room at the instant and the curtains of the bed were drawn aside scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor it was a strange figure like a child yet not so like a child as like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium its hair which hung about its neck and down its back was white as if with age and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it and the tenderest bloom was on the skin the arms were long and thin yet muscular the hands the same as if its hold were of unnatural strength yet the strangest thing was that from the crown of its head There sprung a bright, clear jet of light, by which all this was visible.
3: Ebenezer Scrooge.
7: Are you the spirit, then, whose coming was foretold to me?
3: I am that spirit. Who,
7: what are you?
3: I am the ghost of Christmas past.
7: Of long past?
3: No. Of your past.
7: Please, spirit, please extinguish your light,
3: cover it up. What? Would you so soon put out with worldly hands the light I give?
7: Spirit, I do not mean to offend. What business has brought you here to haunt me?
3: Your welfare, Scrooge. Rise, and walk with me.
7: No, spirit, not out of the window. I am mortal and liable to fall.
3: Bear but a touch of my hand there upon your heart, and you shall be upheld. Follow me. They
2: jumped out the window?
0: Oh no, they flew out the window.
3: Wow.
0: And so the city had entirely vanished. Not a vestige of it was to be seen. The darkness in the mist had vanished with it, for it was a clear, cold winter day. With snow upon the ground.
7: Good heaven. I was born in this place. I was a boy here.
3: Your lip is trembling. You recognize this countryside then?
7: I know every inch of it. Every rock, every tree.
3: And that building over there?
7: Oh, that building. I went to school in that place.
3: Do you recall that path?
7: Remember it. I could walk it blindfolded.
3: Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Let us go on. Look into the window there. What do you see, Ebenezer?
7: I see a boy.
3: A solitary child, neglected by his friends.
7: Yes, yes, I see. I know that boy. Oh. I was so lonely.
3: What is that on your cheek?
7: Nothing. It's nothing. I wish that I... It's too late now.
3: What's the matter?
7: Nothing, nothing. There was a boy singing carols at my door last night. Should have liked to have given him something, that's all.
3: Come then, Ebenezer. Let us see another Christmas.
0: Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words, and the room became darker and more dirty. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked. There he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the holidays. The door opened now, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in.
2: A little girl? Just like me?
0: Yes, just like you.
4: I have come to take you home, dear brother, to bring you home, home, home.
0: Home, little fan.
4: Yes, home for good, for ever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be. He spoke so gently to me one dear night that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said yes. And you're to be a man, and
3: are never to come back here.
7: You are quite a woman, little fan.
3: Come, let's go home. <laughs> Always a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart.
7: So she had. You're right. I will not ken say it, spirit. God forbid.
3: She died a woman, and had, as I think, children.
7: One
0: child.
3: Your nephew.
0: Yes. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city where shadowy passengers passed and repassed.
2: Where are they now?
0: You need to listen to find out. Fine. Hush now. It was made plain enough by the dressing of the shops that here, too, it was Christmas time again. But it was evening and the streets were lit. Do you know
3: this place, Ebenezer?
0: Know it. I apprenticed here.
3: <laughs>
7: Why, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again. Hosting one of his Christmas parties. Oh, and there's Dick Wilkins. Oh, poor Dick. Yes. Oh, look, there's Mrs. Fezziwig herself, looking younger than any of them. Oh, tables filled with roast and ciders and mince pies and beer what a grand time we used to have
3: that young man there with the light heart and carefree smile do you recognize him
7: yes 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 oh how happy i was then
3: But a small matter for old fezziwig to make those silly folks so full of joy
7: small matter why small indeed
3: isn't it He has spent only a small amount of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise?
7: It isn't that. It isn't that spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome. His power lies in words and looks, in things so slight and insignificant that it is impossible to add and count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a fortune.
3: What is the matter?
7: Nothing particular, Spirit.
3: Something, I think.
7: No, no. I should like to be able to say a word or two to Bob Cratchit now, that's all.
3: My time grows short. We have yet another journey to make.
0: again scrooge saw himself he was older now a man in the prime of his life there was an eager greedy restless motion in his eye he was not alone he sat by the side of a fair young girl in a morning dress and in whose eyes were tears
5: a morning dress yes like a dress you can only wear in the morning
0: Oh, not quite. Uh, It's a dress you wear when something very sad happens.
5: But I don't want anything
3: sad to happen. Oh, shush. This is our last visit to your past, Ebenezer. Do you recognize yourself?
0: No.
7: (gasps) No. No, 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 no. Spare me this spirit.
3: It
4: matters little. To you, very little. Another idol has displaced me.
7: What idol has displaced you, Belle?
4: A golden one.
7: This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There is nothing on it which is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth.
4: You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one.
7: What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, I am not changed towards you. Am I? Our
4: contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man.
7: I was but a boy. Was it better, then, to be poor?
4: Better to at least be happy.
7: Have I ever sought release from our engagement?
4: In words, no, never.
7: In what, then?
4: In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So... I release you from this promise, with a full heart, for the love of him you once were. Bell. The memory of what is past half makes me hope you will have some pain in this. A very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it. May you be happy in the life you have chosen.
7: Spirit, show me no more. Why do you delight to torture me?
3: One shadow
0: more. Show me no more. And so they were in another scene and place, a room, not very large, but full of comfort. Sitting near the fire was her, now a comely matron, with a daughter so beautiful Scrooge believed they were the same. There were more children there than Scrooge could count. The consequences were uproarious and beyond belief, but the mother and her daughter laughed heartily, and enjoyed it very much.
4: Children, your father is home.
0: Their father came into the home now, attended by a man laden with Christmas toys and presents. They surrounded their father and the porter, receiving every package, and by degrees the children and their emotions got out of the parlor and went up to the top of the house where they went to bed.
3: Do you see this man, Ebenezer? This man who could have been you, and the woman beside him, your wife, and that girl. That girl might have been your daughter.
7: Let me go,
0: spirit. Show me no more. Shh, listen. Belle, I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon.
4: Oh? Who was it? Guess. How can I? I don't know. (laughs) Oh... Mr. Scrooge.
0: <laughs> Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window, and as it was not shut up, I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he sat alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe.
7: Spirit, please remove me from this place.
3: I told you these were the shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are, do not blame me.
0: Now Scrooge observed that the light the ghost was burning sat high and bright. Suddenly, the light was extinguished, and as Scrooge was overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, he was conscious of being exhausted and in his own bedroom. Relaxing, he barely had time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep.
2: So now we get to meet the next ghost?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, we do.
2: Which one is it? Christmas from right now?
0: Yes, that's exactly who it is. Scrooge woke with a start, feeling restored to consciousness in the right nick of time for the purpose of holding a conference with this second messenger whom Marley had warned him about. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. He lay upon his bed, the very center a blaze of ruddy light, which, being only light, was more alarming than a dozen ghosts, as he was powerless to make out what it meant. It seemed to come from the adjoining room. And so he got up and shuffled in his slippers to the door it was his own room there was no doubt about that but it had undergone a surprising transformation the walls and ceilings were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened the crisp leaves of holly Mistletoe and ivy reflected back the light, and such a mighty blaze went roaring up from the chimney. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, poultry, great joints of meat, suckling pigs, long wreaths of sausage, mince pies, cherry-cheeked apples, immense cakes and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. There, upon the couch, sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch and held it high up to shed its light on Scrooge, who came peeping round the door.
1: Come in, (laughs) come in and know me better, man. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. The spirit was clothed in one simple green robe,
0: bordered with white fur. On its head, it wore no other covering than a holly wreath, set here and there with shining icicles. Its dark brown curls were long and free, free as its genial face, its sparkling eyes, cheery voice, and its joyful air. You
1: have never seen the like of me before? Never have never walked forth with the younger members of my family.'
7: "'I don't think I have. Uh, I'm afraid I have not. "'Spirit, conduct me where you will. "'I went forth last, and I learnt a lesson which is working now. "'Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it.'
0: "'Touch
1: my robe.'
0: "'The room and all within it vanished instantly.' They now stood in the city streets on Christmas morning, where people passed brisk and rough. The house fronts looked black and the windows blacker, contrasting with the smooth white sheet of snow upon the ground. There was nothing very cheerful in the climate or the town, and yet there was an air of cheerfulness abroad, for the people who were shoveling away were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another, and now and then exchanging a facetious snowball. Is there a peculiar flavour in what you sprinkle from your torch?
1: There is. My own!
7: Would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day?
1: To any kindly given. To a poor one, most.
7: Why to a poor one, most?
1: Because it needs it most. There are some upon this earth of yours who lay claim to know us, and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill-will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are strange to us as all our kith and kin, as if they had never lived. Remember that, and charge their doings on themselves, not us.
7: Where, where have you brought me, spirit?
1: A humble dwelling on a humble street.
7: It looks miserable enough.
1: Yet. There is happiness here. (laughs) Who are these people? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. See his wife, dressed in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, lay the table for Christmas dinner. See there Belinda, the second of their daughters, while there Master Peter Cratchit plunging a fork into check on the potatoes. And there the two smaller Cratchits. What has ever got your father then? And
2: your brother, Tiny Tim. And Martha wasn't as late last Christmas day by half an hour. He is Martha, Mother. He is Martha.
1: Children.
2: Ch- children. <laughs> Why, bless your heart, Martha, my dear. Merry
1: Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas. How late you are, Martha. We did deal with work to finish up last night, and I had to clear away this morning, Mother.
2: Well, never mind, as long as you are come.
1: Where's Father?
2: He's been to church with Tiny Tim. There'll be along long suit.
1: Father is coming. There's Tiny Tim.
5: Merry Christmas, everybody. Martha, welcome, my dear.
1: Merry Christmas, Father. And Tim. Merry Christmas, Martha. Let me take your coat, Tim. And how did little Tim
2: behave?
5: Oh, as good as gold. And better. Uh, somehow he gets thoughtful, sitting by himself so much, uh, he told me, coming home, that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk in blind men's see.
2: Oh, are we ready to eat, Mother? Yes,
8: come on, let's eat.
2: Yes, children, we're all ready. Come, take your places now. There's plenty of stuffing and plum pudding for all of you. Oh,
5: Look at the goose. I don't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. Uh, Come now, family, before we eat. A merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. God God bless bless
4: us. us. God bless us. Everyone.
7: Spirit, tell me if tiny Tim will live.
1: I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered, the child will die.
7: (sighs) Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared.
1: If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population.
5: Oh, spirit. I'll give you... A toast. To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast.
1: The founder
2: of the feast? Indeed. I wish I had a mere I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I'd hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children! It's Christmas Day! It should be Christmas Day, I am sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you do. My dear christmas day i'll drink to his health for your sake and the days not for his long life to him a merry christmas and a happy new year he'll be very merry and very happy i have no doubt
4: and i say god bless him too
2: mother god bless us everyone (laughs) oh oh, indeed though
0: you must stop interrupting so much my dear
2: I'm sorry.
0: No, no, it's perfectly fine, but we'll never finish the story if you don't listen. They were not a handsome family. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and might have known and likely did the inside of a pawnbroker's. But they were very happy, grateful, and contented with the time. And when they faded and looked happier yet, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tim, until the last. By this time it was getting dark, and snowing heavily, and as Scrooge and the spirit went along the streets, the brightness of the roaring fires in kitchens, parlours, and all sorts of rooms was wonderful. Much they saw, and far they went, and many places they visited, all with a happy end. And so it was a great surprise to Scrooge to hear a hearty laugh and to recognize it as his own nephew's, and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room, with the spirit standing, smiling by his side, looking at that same nephew with approving affability." (laughs) <laughs> he said
6: that Christmas was a humbug As I live He believed it too uh, He's a comical old fellow That's the truth However his offences carry their own punishment and I have nothing to say against him
3: I'm sure he's very rich Fred. At least you always tell me so
6: What of that my dear <laughs> His wealth is of no use to him He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking that he is ever going to benefit us with it.
3: I have no patience with him.
6: Oh, I have. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always.
3: Oh, do go on, Fred. He never finishes what he's going to say.
6: I was only going to say that the consequence of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is, as I think, that he loses some pleasant moments. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. If it only puts him in the vein to leave his poor clerk a bonus, that's something. And I think I shook him yesterday. And so, a glass of mulled wine ready at hand, I say, to Uncle Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is.
0: (laughs) It was a long night, if it were only a night. It was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the spirit grew older. Looking at the spirit as they stood together on an open street, Scrooge noticed that its hair was grey. Are spirits' lives so short?
1: My life upon this globe is very brief. My time is drawing near.
7: Forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, but I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from the foot of your robe. Is it a foot or a claw?
1: It might be a claw for the flesh there is upon it. Look here.
0: From the foldings of its robe... It brought two children. Wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. (gasps) Oh, spirit! They were a boy and girl. Yellow, meager, ragged, and scowling. Were graceful youth.
5: I don't
2: like this part.
0: Oh? And why is that?
2: It's creepy! Why'd he have to write something so scary when the rest of it is so nice?
0: Well, I suppose he he just meant you have to take the bad things right along with the good things. That you shouldn't go ignoring them, because those bad things will still be a problem, and you should try to fix them. Does that make sense? I guess... Do you want me to stop reading?
3: No, keep going.
0: Oh, oh, all right then. Where was I? Where graceful youth should have filled their features out, a stale and shriveled hand like that of age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Spirit, are they yours?
1: They are man's, and they cling to me. This boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware them both, and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom.
7: Have they no refuge or resource?
1: Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses?
7: (gasps) No, spirit, no, not yet. There are still more things I wish
0: to learn.
1: These you will learn from still another spirit.
0: No, 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 spirit. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. As the last stroke of the clock ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley and lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom draped and hooded, coming like a mist upon the ground towards him. It was shrouded in a deep black garment which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand pointed straight before them. Its mysterious presence filled him with a solemn dread.
7: I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, I am prepared to bear you company, And do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? Lead on. Lead on. The night is waning fast. And it is precious time to me.
0: Lead on, spirit. Now there is a lot that is going to happen here. So are you still paying attention?
5: Yes, I am.
0: Good. The city seemed to spring up about them and encompass them of its own act. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen, pointing its outstretched hand directly to them. I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. What has he done with his money? I haven't heard. He has left it to me, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral, for upon my life I don't know of anybody
8: to go to it. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come
0: to think of it, I'm not at all sure that I wasn't his best friend. We used to stop and speak when we passed in the street. (laughs) (laughs) Speakers and listeners strolled away, and mixed with other groups, the phantom glided on into a street.
7: Let me see some
0: tenderness connected with a death spirit. The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house and found them seated round the fire. Quiet. Very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were as still as statues.
7: Spirit, why have you brought me back here? Why is it so quiet?
2: <laughs> oh, my son, my little son, I loved him so. He walks slower than he used to, and yet I'd known him to walk very fast indeed with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. But, but he was late to carry and his father loved him so that it was no trouble.
5: Good evening, my dear.
2: You're late, Bob.
5: Yes, I'm sorry, my dear. I wish you could have gone. Would have been... Would have done you good to see how green a place it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. (laughs) Oh, My little... My little child... I know. I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, although he was little, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor tiny Tim in doing it.
7: Spectre, something informs me that our parting is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, who was that man who had died? The one spoken of on the street?
0: The phantom pointed as before. He joined it once again, and, wondering why and whither he had gone, accompanied it until they reached an iron gate. A churchyard. Here then, the wretched man whose name he now had to learn lay underneath the ground. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced towards it, trembling. The phantom was exactly as it had been, but he dreaded that he saw new meaning in its solemn shape.
7: Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends, to which, if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the
0: ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable. Scrooge crept towards the grave, trembling as he went, and following the finger read upon the stone of the neglected grave. Who is it? Oh, shh, shh, Upon the stone of the neglected grave, his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am
7: I that man who they speak of? No, spirit. Oh, no, no. Spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been but for this intercourse. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Oh, Good Spirit, your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing of this stone. Tell me, spirit, I
0: beg you. Tell me, spirit, I beg you. In his agony, he reached out and caught the spectral hand. It sought to free itself. But he was strong in his entreaty and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him, holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate reversed. He saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. And the bedpost was his own. (laughs) <laughs> I will live
7: in the past, the present, and the future. Oh, Jacob Marley, Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. I don't know what to do. Oh, I am as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. You there, boy, what's today? I? Today, what's today, my fine fellow?
4: Today? Christmas Day.
7: (gasps) Christmas Day? Why, I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. (laughs) They can do whatever they like. Of course they can. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the poulterers in the next street at the corner?
8: Why,
4: I should hope I did.
7: (laughs) An intelligent boy. Do you know whether they sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there?
3: What, the one as big as me?
7: (laughs) Yes, my buck.
3: It's hanging there now.
7: Is it? Go and buy it. What? Go and buy it and tell them to bring it to Bob Cratchit's house. But they mustn't know who sent it. Uh, Here, here's some coin for you. Yes,
6: sir. And a Merry Christmas, sir.
7: And a Merry Christmas to you, my boy.
0: Oh, I don't know what to do. Merry Christmas, everybody. Scrooge dressed himself all in his best and at last got out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth as he had seen them with the ghost of Christmas present, and walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded everyone with a delighted smile. He had not gone far when, coming on towards him, he beheld the fine fellow who had walked into his counting house the day before. How do you do? I hope you succeeded
7: yesterday. It was very kind of you. A Merry Christmas to you.
4: Mr... Mr. Scrooge.
7: Yes, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and will you have the goodness to...
4: Lord bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious?
7: If you please, not a penny less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you.
4: My dear sir... I don't know what to say to such...
7: Don't say anything, please. Come and see me. I am much obliged to you. I thank you fifty times. Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge.
0: He walked about the streets and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything, could give him so much happiness. He turned his steps toward his nephew's house. Why,
7: bless my soul. Who's that? It's I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred?
0: Let him in, he did. He was made at home in five minutes. Wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful happiness. But he was early at the office the next morning. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming in late. That was the thing he had set his heart upon. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was a full eighteen minutes and a half behind his time. Scrooge sat with his door wide open so that he might see him come in.
7: Hello what do you mean by coming here at this time of day
5: ah uh, i'm very sorry sir
7: step this way sir if you please
5: it's only once a year sir it shall not it shall not be repeated i was making rather merry yesterday sir now i'll tell you what i am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer
7: and therefore
5: sir <laughs>
7: therefore i am going to raise your salary Sir? (laughs) Ha 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 ha! A merry Christmas, Bob! A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family, and we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon. Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another I, Bob Cratchit.
0: Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset. And, knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, all of us. So, have you enjoyed this story? (laughs)
3: Yes, I have. Very much.
0: Well, I'm glad. But you are going to have to run along to bed any minute now. You know you need to be asleep tonight to make sure that a certain someone can deliver your presents. Yeah, I'll go right now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's one line left to the story and I need your help to get it just right. What is it? Oh, I think you know it. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God, God bless, bless us, everyone. No oh, run along to bed now then, and Merry Christmas Eve.
5: Merry Christmas Eve, Grandpa.